We travel to see what's around the bend and what we're capable of. And now Capital One's new class of travel card can keep up with you. Introducing Venture X from Capital One. With 10x miles on hotels and rental cars, and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel, and 2x miles on everything else you buy. Venture X, for those always asking, where next? Capital One, what's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. You've dreamed of building a family, but the journey hasn't been easy. I'm Dr. Laura Shaheen, a reproductive endocrinologist helping people build families every day. On our new podcast, Baby or Bust, we'll be learning from both reproductive experts and people who have faced challenges just like yours. Join us every week for Baby or Bust, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure to follow us so you never miss an episode. Gambling on football, you say? Well, well, well. If you've done it before, you want to get back into it, or you just want another place to reliably play, where you know when you win, you're going to get paid, because remember, that's the whole deal. Winning is nice, getting paid even nicer. Thank you, Mr. X, for the comment. Bottom line is this, my bookie, mybookie.ag. They've been with us now for two seasons. They are a solid book. They pay when you win, and they are very straightforward. Plus, they've got a great array of ways that you can wager on games, an excellent interface, excellent mobile app as well, and great customer service. You know, there have been a small number of hiccups along the way, and people have emailed me directly and said, hey, I had a problem with my bookie. I send one email, boom, off to my rep at my bookie, and the problem is fixed like that. MyBookie.ag. Now listen, if you want to maybe bet a little bit and win big, try some parlays. They're kind of hard to hit, but they're fun to play, right? Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. That's MyBookie.ag, one of the best in the business. It's where I play. It's where I recommend you have an account as well because you can never have too many. And right now, joining MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo to activate the offer. That's promo code ZABE. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Today on the ZABEcast, I went to a World Series game, first time ever. Stayed to the end. It was great. It was also kind of frustrating. I'm not complaining, but I'm explaining. Oklahoma craps the bed. Ohio State overwhelms Wisconsin, and we are set for an epic LSU-Bama showdown. All that, plus some NFL and the four key lessons learned in the Osunagate controversy. Your 45 minutes of gloriously uncensored me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go. <laughs> Here we go. Monday, October 28th, 2019. Thank you for downloading. You are looking live at my hotel room here at the fantastic Ambassador Hotel in Milwaukee, just west of the Marquette University campus. It's my home away from home when I visit, and uh, I visit my other radio station, uh, 97.3 The Game in Milwaukee, morning 6 to 9 a.m., available on the iHeart app in case you don't know. And yes, I am still doing my show in the afternoons in D.C. on the Team 980 and 95.9 FM now. Uh, that's our repeater signal, which covers a really good chunk of the market. 
and I'm still doing both. Now, before I get into all this, this trip up here for this weekend was planned two months ago. We looked ahead at the calendar and said, ooh, Badgers, Buckeyes, we could have a watch party downtown at the fabulous Mecca Sports Bar in the so-called Deer District, which, by the way, is an unbelievable sports bar with just a gigantic high-def jumbotron and tons of great seats, and it's a great vibe. So we said, okay, we'll have a watch party down there on Saturday, and then on Sunday night we can have a watch party for the Packers and the Chiefs and then on Monday, we'll do our you know VIP meet and greet, the kickoff event for Sunburn Bowl 1. Sort of a rules committee meeting where we're just going to say, hey, what do you want to do as a group down there in Mexico this, uh, this coming winter? By the way, still have time to sign up, uh, even though the watch or the VIP party is tonight for the early bird signups. It does not mean that the door is closed. So if you're still thinking about it, go to Sunburn Bowl 1 on the GameMKE.com website or just check the top of my Twitter feed at Zabe and you will see the link right there. All that said, and as good of a time as I'm having here in Milwaukee, and I will explain more about that in just a second, uh, let it be known, this was not ideal. I would have liked to have canceled this trip and then rerouted it to another weekend, but we really couldn't do that. Because two months ago, the thought of, well, what if the Nationals are in the World Series never crossed any of our minds. So I am fully invested. I, you know, I went to the game on Friday night, got out of the stadium at 12.15 when it ended. Game ended, 11, game ended at 12.11 p.m. I looked at my watch. It took me an hour and 20 minutes to get to my parents' house on the mean streets of McLean, Virginia, where I slept as fast as I could for about four and a half hours. Woke up, got an Uber to BWI, and flew to Milwaukee on an 8.40 a.m. flight. Why, why did I go to BWI? Eh, flight schedules. You couldn't get a flight out of Reagan. That was early. That would get here in time for the watch party. Blah, blah. So it's not ideal. I'd love to be in D.C. I think that's obviously everybody knows that, but this was something It was a compromise that we had to make. So I am going to be cutting short my stay here. Uh, flying home Tuesday morning. I'll not be on the air on Tuesday morning on the game because uh, we're heading for a game six in Houston. And we don't know if it's going to be the, the Nationals are on the brink of joy and ecstasy and a world championship or if the Nationals will be on the brink of agony and hand-wringing and can you believe we let this one get away? Up two games to none on the road, having gone through their two best pitchers with National League ballpark rules, with the home crowd advantage now, with everything coming together to think that they could have to go back for a game six is just, it's hard to fathom, but here we are. And of course, tonight's game, game five, which I'll be watching uh, alongside the Packer Chief game at our watch party, uh, too late for this edition of the Zabecast. So I don't know what what brink we're going to be on, the brink of agony and woe or the brink of, oh, my God, we've got two shots now to get this done. Two shots on the road, just win one, I'll take our chances. It's funny how the narrative, though, is starting to shift. A lot of the sports writers are saying, hey, if I told you that the World Series would be 2-2 two to two and 
you know, if I told you this back in May, back in June, back in July, would you take it? Well, yeah, of course. I always find that sort of angle, though, a bit silly, I guess, for a lack of a better word, because uh, that offer is not, you know, that offer was not made back in August. That offer is now the only offer you have because you had a two games to none lead and it's gone. Why is it gone? I mean, there's a lot of reasons. End of the day, it's called baseball. End of the day, it's called, hey, did you think this Houston team was going to roll over like a bunch of bitches? I didn't. So they're a great team that has figured out, okay, we got we got our shit together now. Here's our approach at the plate, and they are hitting. Are the Nationals a bit nervous? Possibly. Has Davey made some mistakes? Sure, you can say that. And maybe the better team right now is just exercising their might. I tell you this, Chirinos is killing us. That that's for one. That slapdick should not be hitting home runs, and yet he is. He's got two of them, two huge home runs that have just killed the Nats. Uh, Bregman had the grand slam against Fernando Rodney, which okay. While we're going back to July and August, well, would you take it back in July? What if I told you back in July? That 42-year-old Fernando Rodney, who, by the way, Drew Olson says he's probably 50. Let's not kid ourselves. <laughs> I laughed. Uh, Drew and I watched the game together on Saturday night. More on our Saturday night in just a second. He said, uh, if I had told you, I said, can you imagine this? Fernando Rodney at 42 years old is pitching uh, for the second straight night, and he is facing uh, Alexander Bregman in a bases-loaded situation, 4-1 game. Are you kidding me? And that happened. Grand slam. Yeah, he kind of pimped it. Yeah, he stood there. Yeah, he probably should have run. But it's a bases-loaded deal on a fly ball. Fly ball. What do you do, sprint down to first and then wait? He got just enough of it, didn't kill it. But it would... Bregman's home run was, did I say Alexander Bregman? Alex Bregman. Uh, his home run, it was one of those ones where he hit it like five feet off of the fair pole and it didn't seem to hook at all. Normally, if you're going to pull a ball like that and it's going to start that close to the foul pole, it's going to hook and usually hook foul. This one didn't. Fernando Rodney. They, you know, Davey trusted Rainey. He didn't come through. And putting Rodney in there felt like a surrender. Yes, it was a 4-1 game, but it felt like a surrender. I, I would have used either Doolittle or Hudson, and Galdi backed me up on that on Twitter. Use your weapons. Just you know, keep the game in touch, for God's sakes. Didn't do it. So that was a move that didn't work out. Friday night's game, let's talk about this. So I got to go to a World Series game for the first time in my life, and it was awesome. Thank you once again to Glenn Eunice for getting me a ticket and putting me on scholarship. You know, I'd been saying how Glenn used to produce my show many moons ago, and now he runs Ed Reed's foundation. Like a moron, I had kind of blanked out of the fact that I skipped a big part of Glenn's career. Glenn was also on the air at Sirius XM. He was hosting shows. He was doing weekends. He was filling in even for uh, you know Mad Dog himself on certain days. Yeah, I tell you what, Glenn Eunice is coming in. And the kid does a good job, you know. He also had a show in Baltimore at night that did very well. It was the number one show in Baltimore. And he ended up giving all that up. He now has his own um, 
he calls it a digital marketing production company. It does a whole bunch of different little things. And he also runs Ed Reed's foundation, his charitable foundation. Um, but I skipped all that in between, you know, Glenn, this is what's rare. And this is what I totally respect is that, you know, for anyone in our business who's on the air, if you get to the level that you're on satellite radio and you're actually filling in for the namesake of the one dedicated sports talk station on satellite radio, you're the chances of you actually just voluntarily saying, you know what? I don't want to chase this. I I want to do something else. I'm okay with this. I can leave this life. Very rare. Very rare. It's I liken it to a, a, a PGA Tour golfer who might have a good year or two on tour, and then he finishes top five at a major, and he thinks, I'm so close. And then it just kind of doesn't go anywhere, and most tour golfers will keep grinding until they're 50 years old and eligible for the senior tour, even if they don't have anywhere near the success they had before. And I'm not saying Glenn was not going to have more success to get to a higher level. It's just that he said, you know what? I'm, I can do other things. And he's perfectly happy doing them. I told Glenn, I said, I got to get you on the podcast. We've got a lot to talk about. We had a great conversation, Glenn and I, about a variety of things. We were standing in the concourse during one of the innings watching uh, the game on TV because you know me and TV, and then also, you know, leaning, you know, kind of looking out at the field, looking at the TV, looking out at the field, looking at the TV. And it's funny the things you hear fans say at ball games. For example, the guy I was sitting next to at one point um, in the second inning as Anibal Sanchez was struggling, he says with cock-sure certainty – they better get Corbin up in the pen right now. <laughs> and I kind of turned to him. I go, really? This early, huh? And he sort of muttered something and didn't want to talk about it. Already Corbin had been ruled out for game number three, and he uh, was going to be the starter for game four. So the notion of you better get Corbin in the pen in the second inning. <laughs> I was just like, okay. And this guy was not some kind of – fan that was clueless he clearly I think was a Nationals season ticket holder funny um when uh when Osuna came in to close the game of course there was sharp booing because of his domestic violent violence arrest and you know past that he has served his suspension for and one woman behind me I don't know who it was screamed I mean shrieked you should rot in hell, Osuna. <laughs> I heard it. Maybe another couple of rows heard it. Nobody else heard it. Certainly not Osuna. <laughs> and I thought to myself, God, people are so interesting, you know? It's like they just feel like they've got to say these things. I told Drew when we were out drinking on Saturday night watching the game, I said, you know, here's the problem, because we were talking about the Astros and their so-called zero-tolerance policy towards domestic violence and how they were getting killed by some people of how dare you sign this guy. I said, the problem, Drew, is that if you have 75-game suspension policies for domestic violence, even if there's no conviction, which I don't think in the Osuna case there was because his uh, girlfriend fled the country and they really couldn't follow her or chase her or prosecute properly, if you're going to have these big suspensions – 
Well, then once the player serves the suspension, then it just follows that teams should be able to sign said player and say, look, we're going to give them a chance. If something else happens, then we have a zero-tolerance policy and we're going to let him go. And if they don't let a guy go who they signed after a DV suspension, then it would be appropriate to kill the team for, oh, how dare you employ this guy. If you're going to build a protocol for suspending guys, then you have to accept the fact that, well, when that's over, he's eligible for another chance. And I do believe there are increasing penalties uh, under the DV policy, much like steroids. So anyway, so that those are a couple things that I heard in the stands. Also, <laughs> the number of people that were along the first and third base lines with absolutely positively no good view of balls and strikes still had no problem whatsoever groaning and yelling and screaming at the ump for bad pitch calls, for bad balls and strikes. I just I kind of laughed. I'm like, you know, I can't see shit from here. You can't see shit. What are you talking about? Hey, man, just being a fan. Of course, that's a lot of what goes on when you're at the game. You just don't see nearly as much as you do at home. And there was a moment in the game on Friday in which I believe it was uh, Sanchez got sort of Charlie Browned on a sharp comebacker, you know, spun around, declothed. I think he got hit. He might have knocked it down with his glove. I don't know because he was like, oh, wow, heart, hot shot back to Sanchez. Oh, what happened? I go look at the Jumbotron. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. No replay. I'm like, what the? And then I remembered. I remembered what my buddy Want Account Rhodes, and he's got a friend named Stosh, or nicknamed Stosh, who has been an award-winning game operations director for the Baltimore Orioles. I remember what my uh, what Rhodesy said Stosh told him about things like that. He said the philosophy of most stadiums game ops guys is that they never show things on the Jumbotron that make the home team and home team players look bad. And I thought that is the dumbest fucking shit I've ever heard. Of course, maybe the edict comes from the team itself, from the manager and the ball players. Hey man, don't show me up. We know baseball is that don't-show-me-up culture, right? Anyway, that's literally what a MLB stadium operations guy's philosophy is in Baltimore, and I bet they copy it all over because there was no reason not to show it. It was like, ooh, what happened there? Did it hit his glove? Did it hit him on the shin? What, what happened? You didn't get it if you were in the ballpark. Later in the game, Ryan Zimmerman, I thought, died as he ducked out of the way of an Osuna fastball that was coming right at his chin. And it sounded like it hit something. It sounded like it hit Zimmerman, but they weren't motioning for him to go to first base. He was on the ground for quite some time. A hush fell over the ballpark. Again, I looked at the Jumbotron. And once again, nothing. I don't know how you people do it who go to these games. It's so frustrating. Luckily, Zimmerman did not get hit. That The sound that I heard was not rawhide on bone. It was uh, merely uh, 
the glove of the catcher catching this chin-high fastball. And then after a dazed moment in which Zimmerman saw his life flash before his eyes, he got up and went to first. Of course, it wasn't until later that night when I checked Twitter that I saw the incredible shot, the close-up camera angle from Fox of Zimmerman lying in the batter's box, blinking, dazed, and it's now launched a thousand memes about that late-night text message that you get when you've already fallen asleep, dot, dot, dot. Why wouldn't you show that at the stadium? Why can't you show that? That's, frankly, nuts. I know. You're there to be part of the atmosphere, to be part of the game. Come on, pay attention. You know, be involved. Start some chance. You don't have to see everything. Of course, Glenn, he when I met up with him, he said, here, I've got the game right now playing on my phone so I can watch the replays. I said, holy shit. I go, where do you, you know, where can you stream it? He said YouTube TV. He totally, highly recommended YouTube TV. And I said, yeah, but my internet not, internet's not good. He goes, well, how about your, uh, you know, do you have Verizon 4G, unlimited data? And I go, yeah. And he goes, well, look, this is on my phone right now. Look how clear this is. Look how good this is. So, oh God, that's another 50 bucks a month, YouTube TV. I'm not giving up DirecTV, just so you know. So it's just the whole stadium experience. It's different, I know. And God bless you people for uh, that go to the games, that uh, cheer and make noise. I love it. I love it from my couch is where I love it from. I also didn't know that Cedarsom's, that umpire Gary Cedarstrom, that his strike zone was considered kind of wonky on Friday night and that Sanchez might have gotten pinched just a bit. Um, and yeah, I to me, I'd put the television feed on the Jumbotron and just leave it. Oh, but that'd be really distracting. Well, isn't the current scoreboard distracting? Or how about this? Just train yourself as a ball player. Don't look up there. Focus on the pitcher. Speaking of distracting, even though I was in great seats that cost a lot of money and I didn't have to pay anything, the Nets fucking suck. I'm sorry. I'll never back down on this. These extended nets, which where I was sitting, definitely gave a sort of a disconnected feel. It was a disconnected feel, I felt, to the game. Yes, you could see everything that was happening, but you didn't feel like it was happening right in front of your face. You felt like it was happening from behind a cage. And even though the nets are pretty thin and they're black and they kind of melt into the, you know, uh, distance to a certain extent, there are cables and there are seams in which they come together. And I just, I hate it. If I were to go to baseball games, I would absolutely sit in the outfield. I would sit as close I close as I can to the outfield wall. Yes, you're far, you're the furthest away from home plate and the balls and the strikes, but you're still close to the field. And it's relatively cheap. I think it's probably still more expensive than being in the upper deck behind home plate, but still, that's where I would be. Now, if I was out there, guess what? I'd get absolutely no Jumbotron because the Jumbotron is up behind you. I guess you could turn around and check it out every now and then, but more TVs in stadiums, seriously. In a baseball stadium, there should be one big TV right behind home plate that shows a lot of replays all the time without somebody going, we're not going to show up the home team by not showing that. And another one in the outfield that everyone else can watch that pretty much shows a 
as close to real-time television feed with all the replays, all the production, all the slow motion, etc. I don't know why they don't do that. And then there's the concessions. Can I just take a second to talk about concessions? I don't know how to put this delicately, but I'll just go ahead anyway. The employees behind the counter at the concession stand lacked diversity. They were almost predominantly, I noticed, older African-American women. And there's nothing wrong with that. But there was no men that I saw. There was no Latinas. There was no Asians. There was no Caucasians, at least at none of the stands I went to. And clearly, there was no bonus to be made by the workers for running up a high number of units processed per hour. Because I sat in line, which is a relatively short line, for a steak and french fry sandwich with special sauce, which was overrated, but whatever. And I thought I'd go through the line pretty quick. And I stood there, and it inched forward, and it inched forward. And my initial thought was, well, maybe the food prep is going to be the one bottleneck of, okay, we got your order, you paid for it, here's your drink, and your steak sandwich will be up in just a second. Oh, no, the steak sandwiches were piling up in the window behind the workers, it was just that if there was a more inefficient way of doing something, anything, they found a way to do it. It was amazing, and it was just so frustrating. And to top it all off, the television that you could watch the game while you're standing in line to wait to pay for an $18 steak and french fry sandwich on artisan bread. The TV to watch the game was mounted on a big concrete pole that was behind you once you got to the first two rows of the switchback. So you're like, well, okay, now I can't see the game from up here, and it's the line is moving as slow as molasses. I don't get it. Put the TV uh, right behind the counter next to the LED menus. Boom, boom, boom. That's where it belongs. Ah, I don't know. Maybe if they did crank people through at a high rate, that then the food prep could not keep up with it, and it would also be a bad fan experience. Maybe teams just say, look, if you want an $18 steak sandwich, you are going to wait in line for it pretty much no matter what. So moving you through faster is not going to attract anyone else. There could be a very short line for a $18 steak and fry sandwich, but guess what? If you don't want that, and if you're not going to pay that much money for one, then just having a short line is not going to help. So it's a tiny marginal improvement of dollars and cents that we don't need to worry about. But I just kind of you know chalked it up as a, hmm, oh yeah, that's right. There's this about going to the games. That said, I was very lucky to go. I'm not complaining. I know you're going to say, I can't believe you went to the World Series and you complained. I did not, I'm not complaining. I'm observing and I'm pointing out. That's all. And I've praised those who go to the games and stand there and cheer and pay a ton of money. God bless you people. I don't know how many more of these games I'm ever going to go to. Any of them. Because the home experience is so good. And if these stadiums just insist on, well, we're not going to give you everything, then I'm going to say, well, then I'm not going to come. I did stay to the very end. And I could have left a little bit early. And I didn't. So, yeah, give me credit for that at least, will you? Let's hope Game 5 went the Nationals' way tonight 
and that we're on the brink of glory, that we've got two shots to win one in Houston and not the other way around. Gambling on football, you say? Well, well, well. If you've done it before, you want to get back into it, or you just want another place to reliably play where you know when you win, you're going to get paid. Because remember, that's the whole deal. Winning is nice, getting paid even nicer. Thank you, Mr. X, for the comment. Bottom line is this, my bookie, mybookie.ag. They've been with us now for two seasons. They are a solid book. They pay when you win, and they are very straightforward. Plus, they've got a great array of ways that you can wager on games, an excellent interface, excellent mobile app as well, and great customer service. You know, there have been... A small number of hiccups along the way, and people have emailed me directly and said, hey, I had a problem with my bookie. I send one email, boom, off to my rep at my bookie, and the problem is fixed like that. Mybookie.ag. Now listen, if you want to maybe bet a little bit and win big, try some parlays. They're kind of hard to hit, but they're fun to play, right? Join now, and my bookie will double your first deposit. That's mybookie.ag, one of the best in the business. It's where I play. It's where I recommend you have an account as well because you can never have too many. And right now, joining mybookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo to activate the offer. That's promo code ZABE. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Okay, let's talk some football, shall we? College football. Oklahoma, you did it again. Maybe it's just me, but it seems like the two programs most prone to stepping on their dicks when they look like they've got a good shot to go undefeated are Oklahoma and Georgia. Now I used that I know that used to also be Clemson because there was a term Clemsoning and It just seems like Oklahoma does this more often than not. They lost to K-State on Saturday, and that dropped their college football playoff chances down to like 10%, at least according to the ESPN metrics they flashed on the ESPN College Football Roundup show. Have no idea how accurate those are, but yes, they took a major hit, and they're probably screwed. Ohio State rolled over Wisconsin. It was a tight game for a bit, but too much talent at too many positions and too much Chase Young did in the Badgers. The Badgers and Wisconsin can play with and beat Ohio State if Ohio State is not great, capital G. When Ohio State is loaded like they are now, no chance. Ohio State operates on a higher orbit, and with more institutional might than Wisconsin, and that's probably going to be the case from now until the end of time. LSU escapes. They're looking good. Ed Orgeron has that program. I remember when Ed Orgeron was considered just sort of a novelty interim act. No one thought, like, you can't give this guy the job full-time. I mean, listen to him. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. And he's got him rolling. Of course, Joe Burrow uh, has been the difference maker there this year. Alabama rolls, and we are now two weeks away. Each team, LSU and Alabama, has a bye, and then they clash in two weeks. So clear your Saturday for that one. Penn State looks great. Ohio State and them are on a collision course in the Big Ten. And 
The other game of the weekend that got some run was Michigan with a huge win by crushing inept Notre Dame on a very awful night in Ann Arbor. And apparently this was the end of the series for now between these two programs. They've played you know, pretty much every year for a long time. And Michigan football in their Twitter account tweeted, Dear Notre Dame football, we need to take a break. We've been doing this for a while now, and we need our space. We're glad you could end up we're glad we could end up on good terms. Thank you for not being defensive. Let's keep in touch and maybe we'll try again in 14 years if you're still independent. <laughs> I see I see what you did there. Nice. NFL Sunday games are ongoing as I speak right now on Sunday afternoon. Early games, oh, look at my lock. The Buffalo Bills they're only laying a point and a half. It's a lock. It's my play of the Eagles crush Buffalo. God, I am so stupid. Why? Even Mr. X just said with a crestfallen disappointment in his voice on Friday's uh, football five-way Friday podcast. He's like, oh, no. Or, of course, he had the other side. It, it was a line that was odd. That was too good to be true, and I bought right into it, and I said, no, 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 ignore all that. Philly, they could be as bad as the Giants. They could be as bad as anybody else. Hell, the Cowboys lost to the Jets. Maybe Philly's not that good. Everyone said Buffalo's played nobody, and I said, but everybody's a nobody. How do we know? Ran right into that one face first. Drew Brees played and played awesome, and the Saints crushed the Falcons heading into their bye week. I didn't understand this move at all. And yet there was Drew Brees doing what great players, what all-time greats do, is they pretty much say, you don't understand, hold my beer, watch this. He apparently, according to Diana Rossini, said, I have to play this game, that he was sending a message to his team, this is too important. It didn't matter that, hey, you know what, Bridgewater's undefeated. And we got the Arizona Cardinals, who have played okay, but look, they're not that good, in our house. And then we've got a bye. Let's let Teddy B rack up one more win, beat the Cardinals, go into the bye week, two more weeks for your thumb to get even stronger. Of course, the counter-argument to that is, well, it's as strong as it's going to get for the most part. And, you know, football players want to play. Leaders want to lead. Also, Matt Hasselbeck said, you know, because Bridgewater is younger, the older quarterback instinct, universally speaking, is to keep guys from taking your position, period. I don't know if that really applies here because everyone knows that, you know, Breeze is the man down there. He's not going to lose his job. After the bye week, they'll put him back in. But he played. He was great. Bears lost in horrific fashion. Matt Nagy, you are an idiot. Eddie Pinheiro, who already missed a field goal early in the game on a doink of the upright, has a chance to win the game. They're trailing 17-16. I'm sure you've seen it by now. And they get the ball after a Trubisky scramble deep into Charger territory for a 39-yard field goal, which is, hell, just a little bit longer than an extra point, right? And they take a knee with 45 seconds to go in the game. 
and they do it with only one timeout left. So not only did it make them call that, burn that timeout uh, to set up the field goal, meaning if you have a bad snap on third down, you can't call a timeout and try it again. Um, but they run it down to basically get one shot. And what does Eddie Pinheiro do? He hooks it left. No good. The Bears lose yet again. Of course, their offense is just pathetic. They can't score. They don't really have any wide receiver threats that anyone finds uh, to be credible. And Matt Nagy's an idiot. He did this last year in a loss in Miami, and now he's done it again. You can say, well, it's 39 yards. Kickers are supposed to make that kick. It's like an extra point. But the odds increase if you get it really, really close. If you can drive that in the final 45 seconds, and I'm not saying try for a a touchdown and risk an interception or something like that, but get it down there really tight so it goes from being, say, an 82% chance to a 99% chance. But he didn't, and the Bears lose. It was a peaceful Sunday. My Redskins did not lose. They did not torment me with bad play on Sunday because they had already done that on Thursday. Speaking of the game on Thursday, ran into J.P. Finley, NBC Sports Washington, covers the Redskins. I ran into him at the ball game in the concourse level, and he said to me, he goes, have you heard some of the quotes from Callahan after the game? I go, no. He goes, I tell you, you should check it out. He's saying on more than one occasion, we went toe-to-toe the last two weeks with two of the best teams in the NFC, meaning, of course, the Niners and the Vikings. I said, toe-to-toe? The fuck? What, are we going to hang a banner for that? Oh, we went toe-to-toe. That's great. As JP and I talked about this, we both agreed that the weather basically won in San Francisco, in the San Francisco game. Nobody could really do much in it, and the Niners were still better, demonstrably so. And in the Viking game, you had a Viking team that said, yeah, we don't really need to take many risks here. We'll just run it, run it, run it. Because guess what? Uh, you, we know you guys cannot score. And you can't score even with Case Keenum in the game, and you can't score with Haskins. So they slow played it, and they pretty much bear-hugged the Redskins. Yeah, it was a close game, and it could have been a tie game if Haskins didn't throw the pick, yada, yada, yada. But toe-to-toe, that's see, it's just so reflective of the delusion with the culture, which Bruce thinks is so damn good. They won't trade Trent Williams as the trading deadline comes up here this week. And they're trying to trade Josh Norman, apparently. <laughs> good luck with that. A soon-to-be 32-year-old corner with a $15 million cap hit. Or price tag. Not a cap hit, but a price tag. Yeah. And who's hurt, by the way, and even when healthy, cannot cover people. You think the rest of the league doesn't have tape on players or don't watch guys to say, yeah, this guy's no good? And then there's the Haskins drama. Apparently, D'Angelo Hall said that he heard from a good source that Adrian Peterson said to Haskins after the game, man, you got to get this shit down because we could win games, so you need to step up and basically play better. Peterson then came out on Twitter and said, don't attribute anything to me that isn't directly from my mouth, which wasn't exactly a denial, but he did issue his support for young Dwayne Haskins. Haskins then decided, hey, 
I'm going to comment on this on Twitter, which I think is a terrible idea. Tweeted Dwayne Haskins, please don't involve me in this BS media narrative. Dear Dwayne, there will be media narratives as a rookie, as a second-year player, as a third for the rest of your career. There's going to be narratives you don't like. There's going to be narratives that are unfair. There's going to be narratives that are inaccurate, if not downright untrue. Don't get into it. You can't win, and it doesn't matter. Haskins has only thrown 22 passes in his two brief appearances. Four of those are interceptions. Gardner Minshew, sixth-round pick, has been playing ever since week one when uh, Nick Foles went down with that shoulder injury, and he won again on Sunday, and he made some spectacular plays while doing it. Sixth-round pick, Gardner Minshew. Go figure. Griffin is, or excuse me, Griffin, I called him Griffin. Haskins is not due to start for the Redskins this coming week unless Case Keenum is not cleared. So, yeah, whatever that means. Apparently, at the NFL game in London, the concessionaires were mocking the fat, American culture of insane sporting event concessions. They created a pulled pork mac and cheese dog at Wembley. (laughs) That was the largest, most gluttonous thing I think I have ever seen. I mean, it was a, it was a sausage that, or at least it was two sausages that were like a foot and a half long smothered in mac and cheese and pulled pork. It could not have been for one person. It would have been instant vomit, instant diarrhea. But, okay, London, since you guys eat so healthy over there, don't make me go searching for pictures of fat Londoners online, having eaten all their fish and chips, drinking those beers and pubs. NBA, Giannis fouled out again on Saturday in a shocking come-from-ahead loss to a Miami Heat team that was without Jimmy Butler. We watched the first quarter of this and then bounced out. I had to go take a nap. But we were there at the Fiserv Forum after getting a tour, oh, by the way, of the uh, luxury suites and club level. More on that in a second. Anyhow, Giannis fouls out on the most ticky-tack, unbelievable bullshit away-from-the-play call you've seen since, oh, that's right, opening night, a couple nights prior on the road in a win in Houston. I would be willing to bet no other player in the NBA this year has fouled out in the first two games of the season, and yet the MVP has been fouled out twice. Not only has the MVP been fouled out twice, but on two of the very softest calls you'll ever see. In fact, I wonder how many players total league-wide have fouled out in the first two games. I fear, and maybe it's just my paranoid conspiracy mind working overdrive, I fear this could be a preview or a message of things to come if Giannis decides to stay in Milwaukee. I hate to say it, but you have to worry. You have to think, is this the league saying, okay, you want to stay in that market, which is not as important to us as some of these other franchises and big markets, then okay, that's fine. But you're not going to get any calls. The fact that he is an MVP that he gets mugged himself in the paint on a routine basis because he is not guardable by most humans, by most mortals, and yet he has fouled out of the first two games of the year, that's fishy as hell. 
Speaking of that tour of the uh, Fiserv Forum, beautiful new arena, beautiful suites and club level and such. They have done some interesting things where they've kind of chopped up what your normal suite would be into a private seating area, but with a common access to a suite level sort of uh, type food, in essence. I forget the name of the actual club seat. They've got names for all of them. So we're taking a tour of this place, and uh, our club rep, who handles the uh, iHeartMedia account for 97.3 The Game, uh, was talking about, you know, here's how much this costs, and this costs. But, of course, he didn't say cost. He said investment. <laughs> investment. It's always an investment. You know, these, these fans are making an investment in their entertainment dollars. Okay, investment. <laughs> Investments are meant to grow in financial value. This is still just spending, and it's a cost to me, but I understand the, the terminology, and this is what they're trained to say. Good, good for them. And he said that for the best suites in the building, that it's a five-year minimum commitment with escalators every year, and that the investment by a company to own a suite at the Fiserv Forum could easily top six to not six to seven million dollars over that five years. And after we got done taking the tour and it was cool to see everything, I said, really not even joking, I said, now the Bucks just can never ever be bad again. <laughs> because you think of the kind of money that gets generated. They're basically sold out. But you can't go back to being a twenty two win team. I mean you could but you better have a plan to go ahead and turn it back around again because how hard a sell is that going to be? You can still say, well, yeah, the Bucks aren't really good, but look at all these other great NBA stars coming into town and also the concerts you get. It, it would just seem to me like a ton of pressure on the basketball staff to say we, we, we just can't be bad anymore. The team is great now. The building is great. Where the money is flowing in, we can never be bad again. And then that led – Young Josh, my chief of staff, Josh Albrecht, to ask me, do you think if you let the employees of a company vote, do you want to have a suite at the basketball arena? Or would you like, say, an extra $50 a a month in your paycheck? What would they vote for? And I looked at him and I said, that's exactly why companies don't let employees vote on shit like this. So we then got into the how is it possibly worth it uh, discussion. And I, my, my answer was, look, in a way it's a game of chicken. It's almost a mandatory opt-in of sorts to keep up with your competitors because Acme Widgets, who has a supplier of metal parts for said widgets, they want to entertain that supplier for the best prices. And they have now an avenue to do so. Meanwhile, you are uh, Zebra Fittings, not Acme Wedgets. And you also work with the same supplier. And you don't have a suite. Well, the supplier and their guy who's in charge of things is going to get invited to these concerts and see these events, wined and dined, and he's going to have a choice. Who do I do business with? And... You can say, well, we're just not going to do it. It doesn't make sense for us. And and many companies don't. But I think to a large extent, it's kind of a game of chicken. Like, we 
you know, our direct competitors have this. We have to make the expense as well. And then, or investment, as they say. And then, once you get those people, once you get those clients at your suite, you make sure to press them up. So, how about we renew that deal, huh? What do you say? Jim Crane, owner of the Astros, sent a letter to the woman at SI who wrote about the I'm so glad we got fucking Osuna guy, Taubman, since fired. And it was Dwight Schrute-esque in its brevity and limited scope. It was not quite it is your birthday, period, with the brown and silver balloons, but it was close. The whole story, I think, has been a lesson in the world we now live in, and whether you like it or not, or think it's a better world or a worse world, It is what it is. And the lessons are, I think, fourfold. One, the media makes their own narratives and they ride them until they literally can't twitch anymore, regardless of genuine news value or public interest. That's number one. Number two, some social issues matter more than others. And I don't think I need to tell you which ones those are. Number three is the media loves covering themselves. Period. End of story. The media loves covering the media. And they love it when they can claim victim status themselves. Oh, oh, look at this mean baseball team. And the fourth lesson is that easy clicks are easy clicks. So in outraged society, click, 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 click. They're going to go with that. Trust me. A story about the merits of the Astros setup relievers, not going to get the same amount of clicks as this has. So yeah, we've got equality for women covering sports, but it's almost like they still have to be protected. Like, oh God, somebody said something mean to them. Because how much ink was spilled over the reporter who was barred from the clubhouse when Justin Verlander got his panties up in a wad? I know they reported it, and it was a little bit of a story, not nearly this big, that's for sure. And if it was a man who had been writing about domestic violence issues, and I don't think the Astros should have signed Osuna. And Taubman, after the game went final, went and bat-flipped in front of the male reporter's face. Nothing happens. You know it, I know it. So, I don't know. We want true equality. Sometimes there's some hardball stuff that goes on in professional sports, and if you're in the media, who covers these pro teams. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying teams shouldn't be better. But equality, anybody? Also, how about not making yourself the story? This reporter tweeted a picture of the apology letter. And, of course, the responses were as cynical and assholish as you'd expect. And, of course, many people were like, this is too little too late. And who's going to get fired? And should they donate money to a domestic violence chapter? And is Major League Baseball going to investigate further? Oh, for God's sake sakes. We'll end on this today and it's a legitimate etiquette question. I don't know the answer to it. Josh is driving me around on Saturday night as we go from bar to bar. It's pouring rain in Milwaukee and we have to park on the street. We roll up to a bar. It's pouring rain. I say to Josh, okay, let me hop out here. I'll meet you inside. He he reacts with a string of expletives like, are you fucking crazy? No way. And essentially says, look, you're not my wife, you're not my girlfriend, fuck you, you're walking in the rain with me wherever we do find a spot. 
question. Who's right? I mean, on the one hand, I do understand where he's coming from. That is sort of a chivalrous thing. And even though I am his technically technically his boss, uh, and you know, he should be catering to me as the host, eh, you know what? We're out as guys. It's a guy thing. So fuck you, you're gonna get wet just like me. On the other hand, it's pointless and stupid. Like, why should two people get wet when only one person would get wet? I will accept your judgment, listeners, and your final ruling on this, but that happened on Saturday night. I did not get out of the car at the doorstep of the bars we went to, and I did get wet, a little bit so, or moderately so. It wasn't terrible. Uh, Going from the car where we parked to each bar. And I lived to tell about it. That will be a wrap for today. Thank you very much for listening and downloading. Tuesday, Tuesday, let's see. Tuesday's show is going to have a recap of Sunday night's game number five. It is going to have a wrap of the Packers and the Chiefs. And we'll talk about our watch party at Jackson's uh, Pub in Milwaukee. And uh, Wednesday, I'll be home. I'll be home Tuesday, actually. i got to come home Tuesday morning. Uh, because it's going to be an epic finish one way or the other. Game six and a possible game seven, Astros and Nationals, and who knows where we'll be downtown in D.C. for a watch party on Tuesday or perhaps a parade later in the week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading, and we will see you next time. Like we did when spring began. Gambling on football, you say? Well, well, well. If you've done it before, you want to get back into it, or you just want another place to reliably play, where you know when you win, you're going to get paid, because remember, that's the whole deal. Winning is nice, getting paid even nicer. Thank you, Mr. X, for the comment. Bottom line is this, my bookie, mybookie.ag. They've been with us now for two seasons. They are a solid book. They pay when you win, and they are very straightforward. Plus, they've got a great array of ways that you can wager on games, an excellent interface, excellent mobile app as well, and great customer service. You know, there have been a small number of hiccups along the way, and people have emailed me directly and said, hey, I had a problem with my bookie. I send one email, boom, off to my rep at my bookie, and the problem is fixed like that. MyBookie.ag. Now listen, if you want to maybe bet a little bit and win big, try some parlays. They're kind of hard to hit, but they're fun to play, right? Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. That's MyBookie.ag, one of the best in the business. It's where I play. It's where I recommend you have an account as well because you can never have too many. And right now, joining MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo to activate the offer. That's promo code ZABE. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid.